Welcome to Creepy Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura. And uh, is there anything we want to talk about from this week from hell? No. No. I'm now to... officially a senior citizen. Sort of. I mean, I can get those 55 and over discounts now. Heck. Like nobody's business. Our friend from the pub's mom was 55. I know. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She had to bring that up. <laughs> hey, my mom is 55. I'm like, thanks, you horrible girl. Get out of my face. Thanks, whoever you were. Yeah. I still don't remember her name. I don't either. Very embarrassing. Oh, well. Anyway. Oh, and it iced. And it iced. Uh, it fro- we had freezing rain. We had ice apocalypse. Yeah. And then we're going to have another thing Sunday through Tuesday. And Yay. another thing, Wednesday through Friday. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. We got oh, some shit. great weather coming for us. Oh, yeah. The best ever. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, my story today okay. is the Gates Heaton House. Okay. Or also known as the Torture House of Louisville. Ooh! I mean, I shouldn't be that enthusiastic about torture probably, but you know. You know. Um... I'm going to preface this by saying that a lot of this, i.e. all of it, uh-huh. came from an article from True Detective mm-hmm. that was published in 1930. Ooh. Uh, Detective Lieutenant William Olegen. Okay, sure. It's O-E-L-T-J-E-N. Sure, it I is. don't know how to pronounce that. So <laughs> sure, just, it uh, is. <laughs> Lieutenant Detective. Lieutenant O. That's what we're going to call him. the one who told the story. Oh, cool. To the, we've discussed this before, but there needs to be more uh, true crime magazines. There does, especially and nowadays. I, and I feel it's... like, yeah, I feel like people would like everybody's online reading about stuff and doing that. But I feel like people enjoy a hard copy. Yeah, you know, something they can look back over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So. Richard Hartwell Heaton was born on January 30th, 1891, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Mm -hmm. He was a partner in a prosperous brokerage with his friend, with a good friend of his. Okay. He was also an upstanding citizen of Louisville. Who isn't? And married to a woman named Mary Leahy Wieson Heaton, who came from a wealthy Louisville family. And they had two children who were both in elementary school. Okay. At the time of... This unfortunate... This happened. (laughs) Okay. Cat. The happening. At 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, March 8th, 1924, the Louisville Police Department headquarters received a phone call that a man had been shot at 6.37 South 34th Street. Okay. When police arrived, they discovered the body of Richard Heaton laying on a mattress. Hmm. That was lying on the floor. Okay. In a bedroom on the second floor. Okay. Of the house. Around the mattress were four staples in the floor. In the room were several surgical tools. Oh, dear. We'll go into what kind of tools were there later. Oh, dear. It didn't take long for the police to see that Richard Heaton was dead. Okay. He had gunshot wounds in his neck and near his heart. Ooh. He He was rushed to a doctor. Who verified that he was indeed dead. <laughs> okay. He earned that, yes. you know, consult- consultation fee right there. Mary, who, quote, retained her composure with admirable fortitude, end quote, okay. told police that William Gates was the shooter. Once they had a, a description of him, they sent out an immediate search. When police returned to the house, they discovered a crowd had gathered. And officers were having a hard time keeping everyone away okay. from the scene of the... I have a question shooting. already. Yes. Is this their house? No. Okay. We're going to find this out. Yes. Right? Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> when the detective lieutenant got upstairs, Mary was still kneeling next to her husband's body. Oh. And made a confession. Oh. Her husband was holding Gates captive for two days (laughs) and two nights. What? Oh, my God. Quote. I didn't expect expect this to turn that fast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
not going to lie. I thought we'd build up to it a little bit more. Oh, no. All right. No. No, no, no. Quote, he was chained to the floor in this <gasps> room. End quote. Yikes. Police contacted Dr. Schoonover to help examine the tools, which oh, included oh, no. a surgeon's knife. Oh, no. Several pairs of forceps. Oh, jeez. A hemostat. What's that? It's it's what they use to spread things open <gasps> or, like, clamp no. things down. Ooh, no, 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 no. Sutured ligatures. Two or three instrument trays. Oh, God. A surgeon's apron. Rubber sheets. Oh, God. Rubber gloves. Bandages. Gauze. Cotton. Disinfectant. And chloroform. Oh, God. Everything you need to perform an operation. Dr. Schoonover said that all of these were high quality, and whoever had bought them had more than just a basic knowledge of such things. Okay. Whoever was planning the operation had also planned to take care of a body. There was also, there were three large watertight boxes, a large butcher knife, a hatchet, and a decent amount of sulfuric acid. Oh, God. By the time they had finished going over the scene, the fingerprint guys had gotten there Mm -hmm. and gotten to work on the tools. The rest of the officers searched the rest of the house in the garage. Okay. They discovered several guns. Okay. And a lot of ammunition. Okay. Mary was brought back to the police headquarters to be questioned. Uh, yeah. She was very pale, but kept herself together pretty well. All things considered. Yeah, really. She told them that she and Richard had eloped when she was 15. Mm. And that was eight years before. Okay. So she was what? At that point, she'd be 23. 23. Yeah, Yeah. she was 23. Mm. They'd had a normal life until he started accusing her of sleeping with William Gates. Oh, God. With whom they both had known since childhood. Okay. She, of course, denied his accusations. Yeah. But he kept accusing her for the next four years. Yeah. Right up until the day of the shooting. Oh. A month before the shooting... Richard had brought Detective Jenny Moore from Chicago into the home. Okay. She was hired to follow Mary whenever she left the house to answer phone calls. So she wouldn't make any personal calls. A A testimony from Jenny Moore would confirm this. Okay. Mary went on to say that her husband had rented the house on 34th Street on Thursday with the intention... Of taking Gates there and punishing him. Mm. Quote, I was powerless to prevent my husband from carrying out his plan. You see, I was practically held prisoner in my own home. End quote. Okay. The day before the shooting, Richard came home and told his wife that he still had Gates. Okay. Quote, but he laughed when he told me about it, and I was frightened more than ever. Oh, God. End quote. Well... Saturday afternoon, when Mary hadn't heard from her husband since the day before, she snuck away from Jenny Moore, called a cab, and went to the house on 34th Street. Okay. She was greeted by her husband at the door and urged to be quiet. Quote, he looked terrible. He seemed to be under a terrible strain and plainly showed the lack of two nights sleep. I felt sorry for him and told him so. He only laughed. I asked him if he had Bill Gates upstairs, and he said, yes, and I'm giving him the scare of his life. I bet he won't bother either of us again. End quote. I mean, I'm really sorry, but I'm picturing Bill Gates from Microsoft <laughs> right now. And I... I was too. He's just like, what? I was... I Bill com- Gates? I did computer <laughs> shit, and then I got held hostage <laughs> and tortured. So she begged her husband to let the man go and to give up his crazy plan. Well, yeah. Good they, luck with the, good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that, Mary. They talked for a few more minutes until Richard said he had to get back upstairs to keep an eye on Bill okay. or he might get away. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Quote, I guess he had been gone about two or three minutes 
when suddenly uh -oh. I heard a voice say, don't shoot. It was hardly more than a whisper. And then I heard two shots fired in a rapid succession. As I started up the stairway, Bill Gates came running down. <laughs> We're going to have to call him something else. Oh, no. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to okay, keep calling him Bill Gates. Right. Well, alrighty. He called <laughs> and asked who was there. I replied, Mary Lee. He didn't stop. As he passed me, he oh, said... No. Oh, God. As he passed me, he said, I have shot Dick, and I am going for a doctor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, one of those things is true. And <laughs> At this point in the interview, Mary was twisting her purse nervously and speaking barely above a whisper. She said that she continued up the stairs and discovered her husband in the back bedroom, just as he had been when the police found him. Okay. He was breathing and trying to say something, but Mary couldn't understand what he was trying to say. A few minutes later, a man showed up. This gets kind of funny. Oh, God. And said he was a doctor. Okay. He looked at Richard, and when Mary asked if her husband was going to die, he said he didn't think so. Then Bill called from downstairs and asked the same question. Yeah. Mary then made arrangements to have her husband taken to a hospital. This is the weirdest thing ever. I know. <laughs> okay. This was not what I was expecting no. at all. Then another man came in, oh, looked at Richard, and said he was dead. Oh, yeah. Bill called from downstairs again. Is, is, is he, he dead? dead? <laughs> and the man shouted back that Richard was dead. Okay. So, is he dead? Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> is he dead? No, nah, he's going to be okay. Another, Another man comes, comes in. Is, is he, he dead? dead? Yeah, yeah, he's dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> Bill didn't respond to this. And Mary never saw him again he never she never saw bill again yeah she never saw bill again <laughs> okay she didn't see bill at, she didn't see or bill hear from again, him or hear from him nope mary was cross-examined for about 45 minutes and at that time she was taken home in a cab after okay. they sent her home bill's business partner william a fisher of heaton and fisher mm -hmm. was there and asking for the chief he had heard about the murder and wanted to tell the police everything he knew about Richard Heaton. Oh, okay. Go for it. Yes. He said Dick had been acting strange for quite some time. Oh, my God. Dick had told Fisher that there were several men trying to break into his house. Also, Dick had been neglecting business, staying out of the office for long periods of time. And didn't even let his partner know where he was or how long he would be there. Okay. Well, fair. William tried everything he could think of to try to get Dick back to business. Okay. But he failed every time. Oh. He told William in early February that, quote, there's only one man left, and as soon as I have attended to him, all my troubles will be over, and I will, tur I will return to the office. End quote. Okay. There's one guy I gotta kill. It's gonna be fine. Yep. There's just one, one guy, guy left. I gotta torture. It's gonna be okay. And then once I'm done with that, I can come back to work. I'm gonna come back to work, and I'm gonna be better than ever. You watch. William knew about the house on 34th Street, and Dick had told him that he had rented it to take a man there to scare him to death. Oh God. Telling him, quote, "I want to impress on his mind that he is to never cross my path again." Okay. End quote. End quote. Oh, my God. William begged him to give up his plan. Bill Gates said please. Now, this isn't Bill Gates. This is William Fisher. Oh, okay. There's two Williams in this oh, story. Okay. So That guy. Okay. It got kind of confusing. That's why I'm calling him Bill Gates. Oh, fair enough. Okay. So, William Fisher. Yes. Said please give up this plan. Yes. Uh, he told police, quote, I told him that it was dangerous and that he was only going to get himself into trouble. Uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. He refused to listen and told me if I ever breathed a word to <laughs> anyone about his plans, I would have to answer to him. I'll torture you, too. <laughs> <laughs> you see this? You see I'll this? Do you too. I'll do it to you, too. Oh, okay. Got my eye on you, Will Fisher. Yeah. I don't like people named William. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> the conversation was interrupted when police brought in a man fitting Bill Gates' description. Okay. So the detective lieutenant ran out to go see the man. It wasn't Bill Gates. Okay. The man that they had had red hair. Okay. Bill Gates had brown hair. Okay. <laughs> You'd think that would be somewhere on the wanted poster. You would think. <laughs> this is 1924. Oh, by the way, he so. does have red hair. <laughs> so he scolded the police officers who brought him in, you know, probably yelled at them for bringing in the wrong dude. Hair. And went back to questioning, or not really questioning Fisher, but listening to Fisher's story. Yeah. Fisher told him that on Friday, Haiti Conrad brought him a note from Richard, and in the note, Richard requested his presence at the house on 34th Street. Okay. Why does he say? Well, first of all, who the hell is Haiti Conrad? Yeah, really. Well, that too, but... He was an organist in a downtown theater. That's who Haiti Conrad was. I mean, let me just say, Dick... An organist, and I mean this. This is um, oh, brilliant. Well, we're only I on mean, page five, so strap in. <laughs> what do you mean, strap on? <laughs> <laughs> the oh lieutenant detective sent police to bring Haiti. I gotta stop drinking during these. No, <laughs> Haiti in for questioning. Fisher continued, okay. saying, "Quote." I went down Friday afternoon, hoping to bring Dick to his senses. Good luck. It sounds like that's quite the job. At I this think point. everyone's been trying to do this. <laughs> I mean, good luck. He looked terrible. I <laughs> see. Everybody says that. I know. <laughs> he looked terrible. He looked terrible. He looked terrible. I asked. Oh, I could see he was very nervous and laboring under a strain. He told me he had had no sleep for three days. Oh, God. And asked me to stay there in the house while he went home and got some sleep. Oh, God. This I refused to do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He then asked me if I would stay while he went home and saw his wife. He promised he would only be gone for half an hour. He begged so hard that I finally agreed. So, I'm wondering if Dick wanted to go home. Yeah. To see his wife. Yeah. I.e. have sex with his wife. Well, yeah. All this torture is hard work. I need to go get laid, man. Can I I go home for a half hour? Yeah. All I'm asking for, man. Just. Well, did he, like, tell him, like, don't go upstairs? No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Here we go. Listen to this. Oh, God. (laughs) This continues to be a quote from Fisher. Oh, I can't wait. He took me upstairs. In the back room, laying on a mattress, his arms and legs tied to the floor, a cover over his face, was a man. Dick told me he had put the cover over the man's face because his prisoner was ashamed of what he had done and did not want his identity known. What? He assured me the man was securely tied and could not get loose. <laughs> not my biggest worry at And then point. left. <laughs> <laughs> This is when we go, okay, we're going to get the police I'm right gonna, now. Like, I'm going to let this guy go now. Because I don't want to be part of your crazy scheme at this point. Yes. You're insane. And I don't want to be caught up in it. Yes. <laughs> Any con- more than I already am. This continues to be equipped. Oh, God. After he had gone, I noticed the man was moving as if he were trying to ease <laughs> his evidently aching muscles. Well, yeah. I asked him if I could do anything for him. Call the police! He didn't answer, so I just sat there. What the fuck? Oh my god. I told you. Oh, Jesus. This was not what I was expecting. Yeah, nope. I expected, not gonna lie, just straight up torture. And that's what I was... And then it, now it's like, you know, are you okay? Can I help you with anything? When I started researching okay? this, I was kind of hoping for just some straight up torture. <laughs> but no. That's not what it's I got. straight up insanity. I got I'll this instead. That. But this makes for a really fun story, too. 
Oh my god. This continues to be cooked. Oh. <laughs> in about 30 minutes, I heard Dick come in and I went downstairs. I again begged him to let the man go. I told him he was sure to get into trouble. <laughs> he laughed at my feeders and assured me that I am only giving him a good scare and I am not going oh to harm him god. in the least. While I was in the room upstairs, I saw a hat and coat that I thought I recognized. Oh, no. I asked Dick if the man wasn't Bill Gates. He said, it might be, and laughed. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Then I pleaded with him harder than ever. I would have done anything to keep Dick out of trouble. (laughs) He wouldn't listen. He asked me to come back that night. I told him I might, and I left. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. Wow. After Fisher left the house, he went back to his office and worried about Richard for the rest of the day. Or the rest of the night. Well, he should be. But he didn't contact police. Oh, my God. He believed, he believed Richard that he wouldn't hurt Gates and decided that he would go back that night to again try to get his friend to give up this cockamamie plan that he had going on. <laughs> Of torturing someone. Yes. (laughs) Why cockamamie torture plans always go away? Quote, I went down about 7 o'clock that evening. Yeah. Friday. Okay. There was no one there but Dick and the man upstairs. Okay. I argued with Dick for about an hour, but nothing I said seemed to have any effect upon him. He would only laugh and swear he was not going to harm his captive. Oh, yeah. Only scare him. Sure. I gave up and started to leave. <laughs> Excuse me. Just as I was going, I happened to look upstairs. And there, sitting on a bed in the rear room, handcuffed, his head in his hands, was Bill Gates. I became almost frantic with my pleading, but he remained abjurate. So I left and did not go back. Someone called me tonight and told me about the shooting. I am sorry I did not notify you yesterday of what was going on. Yeah. But at the time, I thought the best way out was to leave Dick alone. I feel as though I am responsible in a way for his death. Uh, yeah. End quote. Like, I'll just say this. You're a middle-aged white businessman, so, I mean, we know nothing bad's going to happen to him in this story. But seriously, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. The lieutenant detective asked Fisher if he had any idea of how Gates had been captured or how he had gotten the opportunity after three days of being held captive to shoot his captor, to which Fisher had no idea either. So at this point, police knew who had done the shooting and why, but the shooter was still missing Good. and they couldn't figure out why he had run if it was in self-defense. I mean, that's, also, that's going to be my first thing when I get escape from the torture house is, is run the fuck away. Yeah. yeah. Also, they now knew more on William Gates. He was 31. He was a salesman at Procter & Gamble. Okay. Working out of Logansport, Indiana, yeah. where he lived with his aunt. Oh. Oh, okay. He was pretty popular in Louisville, so police were confident that they would be able to find him by morning. Mm-hmm. The fingerprint men came back and reported that the prints found on all the tools they found and the guns belonged to Richard Heaton. Okay. The coroner called and reported that Heaton had been shot twice with a forty-one caliber gun. Okay. Then police brought in Haiti Conrad, who they had picked up as he was leaving work. Okay. Conrad didn't have much information for them, but he he known both men for quite a while. Okay. The previous summer, he had traveled through the South with Heaton. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, Conrad received a call from Heaton asking him to come to his office at about 6, six o'clock p.m. Okay. When Conrad got there, he was introduced to a man named Frank. Conrad was told to go wait outside in his car. And when Heaton left, Conrad was instructed to follow him. To follow him or Frank? They were all in the same car. Well, oh, okay. Uh, Conrad okay. waited in his car until three men got into Heaton's car and drove off. Okay. So Heaton and... Frank. Heaton, Frank, and another guy 
gotten to. Who's Frank? You'll see. Oh, good. <laughs> Hold your horses. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Connor followed them to an alley in the West End. Yeah. Heaton okay. and the three men got out of the car and went into the house. Okay. And Conrad followed. When he got inside, Frank was sitting in the living room. Heaton and the other man were nowhere to be seen. Okay. Frank told Conrad... That Heaton had a man upstairs that he that had stolen some things from him. That everything was going to be alright and not to worry. Sounds like it. At about 10 o'clock, Heaton came down, told Conrad to take Frank to the 10th Street Depot. Yeah. Buy him a ticket to Indianapolis. Okay. Then go to the Willard Hotel and settle the bill for room 342. Okay. Conrad brought Frank to the station... And got his ticket, all that. Yeah. But instead of going to the hotel, he went back to to the house on 34th Street mm. to see what was going on. Yeah. Heaton told him he had a man upstairs that had caused him some trouble, but that he shouldn't worry because he was just having a good talk with him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. Conrad slept there that night. Okay. I think he probably slept on the couch or something. And when he saw Heaton the next morning, he told him he was leaving and never coming back. Okay. Conrad assured police that was all he knew and that he never went back to the house. They held Conrad and sent someone to the Willard Hotel to check out room 342. Right. And to check out Frank. See what we're right. with this yeah. random Frank, Frank dude. guy. Yeah. Who just pops up. Yeah. The lieutenant detective went home to sleep, but left instructions that if gates were brought in, he were to be contacted immediately. immediately. Even sooner. Yes. Yes. So not long after he got home, right. he got the call. Okay. William Gates had been brought into the station. Oh. He looked clearly strained, pale, nervous. <laughs> no shit. And seemed extremely anxious to talk. Uh, Yeah. He told the lieutenant detective that he'd been staying with relatives for the night, and after he talked the issue over with them, decided to turn himself in. Yeah, well. Okay. This is going to be a long quote. This is, oh, I can't wait. This is what, this is what Bill oh, Gates I can't had to wait. say. Oh, good. I can't wait. <clears throat> quote. Hold on. you got to give a longer. <clears throat> yeah, that's more like it. <clears throat> there you go. I had known... Dick Heaton, since childhood. Okay. In fact, we grew up together. Oh. And played together as youths. Oh. I did not know of his fears, his worry, his suspicions, or his plot. I had been away from Louisville for some time. Mm-hmm. Nothing, however, interfered with our friendship. Okay. Thursday night, two nights before the shooting. Yeah. Dick called me and asked me to come to his office. There was nothing unusual about that, and I went. Okay. Just as I stepped in the office, I was grabbed. It was so sudden, I couldn't move. I didn't know what to do, so I did nothing. Okay. I couldn't have gained anything by resisting, because I could have been overpowered easily. Mm-hmm. I said nothing. I was taken to an automobile outside. A big man was watching me. He walked along by my side to the machine. But even if he had not been there, I could not have done much. I was handcuffed. The cuffs were placed on me as soon as I was grabbed. After a long ride, we went through an alley into a small garage. I was led to the house. Dick took me upstairs to a back room. He tied me and went down again. While he was gone, I thought how unlucky I was to have lost my pistol. Yeah. <laughs> it had been taken from me before I was handcuffed. I bet. <laughs> Dick came back after a while. Okay. And I could see he was bent on mischief. Oh, no. I had si sized up all the instruments, the sharp hatchet, the boxes, uh, yeah. and the rubber gloves. Yeah. Get down, he commanded. I was forced to get on my knees. He then made me lie flat on the floor. He stretched my two legs apart. And fastened my ankles to the floor. Oh, to the two staples, leaving me spread out on the floor. 
I saw him take down the chloroform. He then got a funnel. He placed some cotton in it and poured out the chloroform. All the while, he was calm as a man could be. He put the funnel upside down over my nose. I saw it coming and took a deep breath. After he put the funnel in, in place, I held my breath for what seemed like hours. <laughs> yeah. Gradually, I relaxed my body and closed my eyes. I tried to feign unconsciousness and apparently succeeded. He took the funnel away. In a moment, he unbuttoned my coat. Then it dawned on me what kind of torture I was to undergo. I couldn't move. I was afraid to say a word. He unbuttoned my vest, the right side of it. I felt something hard glide down my side. Then I remembered. It was my small pistol, a Derringer, that I had forgotten about until this time. They had overlooked it. This little pistol, not much bigger than a toy, brought renewed courage. I waited a very short time, and then I decided something had to be done at once. Yeah. I began to mumble. Dick stooped over me and cooed to me like a baby, coaxing me to tell him what I wanted to tell what I wanted to tell. Go on. Tell me about it. Don't be afraid, he cooed. I saw my chance. I mumbled so he could make it out. That I had written several letters. I told him I had said in the letters that Dick Heaton would be responsible for any harm that might befall me. I told him that I wrote that Dick Heaton meant to murder me. He coaxed some more, and I told him I had sent the letters to my aunt in Logansport, Indiana, with whom I live, and instructed her to send them to the police in the event anything happened to me. Right. This stopped him. He buttoned up my clothes and left me presumably unconscious. You can bet I was mighty glad when he left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I had long to live, but I didn't, didn't give up hope entirely. Oh, good. Friday afternoon, he brought Fisher, his business partner, into the room. At this time... I was lying on the mattress on the floor, arms and legs tied, and a cover spread over my face. Dick said he was going and left the room. Fisher said he would step out of the room and give me a chance to make myself comfortable. Okay. He thought I didn't... I'm sure that was what he was really wanting. He was wanting. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. He thought I didn't want my identity known. I wasn't sure about he had gone. In fact, I thought he was standing outside the door. Yeah. So I said nothing. Friday night, Dick took me in an automobile to his office. He placed a pistol at my side and told me to call my aunt in Logansport and tell her to send the letters to Heaton Fisher's brokerage and office in Louisville. My aunt must have thought that I was crazy, for I had not written her any such letters. However, I obeyed instructions. After that, I was taken back to my prison. Saturday, I thought all day long that my time had come. Dick would come into the room and look at me. I would pretend I was asleep. Then he would go over and start fingering the instruments, all the while kind of smiling to himself. My nerves were near the breaking point. That night, I told him to take me to the washroom. I told him I couldn't stand it any longer. Mm -hmm. He agreed. When we returned, he prepared to chain me to the staples. He had to unlock my handcuffs, and I saw my chance had come. Yeah. I got my derringer from my vest pocket and pointed it at him. Put him up, dick! I commanded. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you know. You know. Here we go. Put him up, dick! (laughs) Don't waste my time! we got to start filming this. (laughs) His face changed in an instant. It became chalky white. His eyes got wild. I bet it did. He grabbed for his gun. Oh shit, I thought you had I thought I had you and then now mm, oh, And oh. I let go with both barrels. He spun around Good for you. and fell. Good for you. Yes. Then I knew I was free and raced down raced from the room and downstairs, mm-hmm. taking three steps at a time, and hollered, Who's there? I heard a door open sometime before Heaton's wife. Her, I heard a door open sometime before. Heaton's wife answered. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop. I ran out of the house as fast as I could. As I ran out the front door, I saw a man 
and told him that I had shot someone. I told him not to say anything. This all comes back to me now. I started running down the street. Then I thought of my hat and coat. I ran back and got them <laughs> and started running again. Fuck my hat and go. Right. Oh my god, just keep going. Get the hell away from there. That's oh. an end quote for now. I didn't want to oh write my. everything that he said. Oh my god. So he ended up getting in a streetcar and rode that for a couple of blocks. And and he was heading for Harrods Creek, where yeah. his brother in law lived. Okay. Which is where he rested and talked it over with the family. He then realized his mistake in running and turned himself in. He said, quote, no matter how long I live, I will never forget the experience. Uh, yeah. It was too horrible, too cruel for words. I had read of such plots and plans in dime novels, but I never expected oh to Lord. live in the victim's part. I know I can never put it from my mind. But now that it's over, I am confident of being freed and shall attempt to forget all of it I possibly can. I am sorry yeah. I had to kill Dick. But I had to do it to save my I'm life. I'm not. Congrats. Yeah. He sounds like a like a totally insane person. Detective asked him why he brought two guns with him to the broker's office if he wasn't suspicious of Richard. Right. He explained that he collected guns and usually carried one with him. When detectives looked into it, they discovered he had bought several guns over the past two or three years. Okay. So he wasn't lying about that. Okay. Police put William Gates under arrest for the murder of Richard Heaton. By that time, they discovered who Frank was. His name was Frank Cordell, okay. who was a private investigator in Indianapolis. Police had him extradited back to Louisville. On Monday, May 12, 1924, Gates was arraigned and released on bail, then dismissed. Okay. A police court judge ruled that he killed Richard in self-defense. Well, yeah. And a coroner's jury also absolved him of all guilt. Right. Frank was brought in as an accomplice to Gates' kidnapping. He knew Richard Heaton as Peter Brooks. Richard... <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Richard told Frank that he wanted his help getting a man who was stealing from him. Frank admitted to helping kidnap Gates and going back with to the house on 34th Street. So, detective comes to Louisville. Right. I've got this problem, says Dick. It's this guy that's stealing from him. And detective, instead of saying, oh, you need to go to the police about that, I'll says, help you. I'll help you kidnap him. I'll help you kidnap him. Yes. And take him to your torture room. He left Indianapolis that night. And didn't know anything else. His case, Except that he took somebody to a torture room. The his fuck? case was dismissed. And he received a 60 day jail sentence. I mean. Yeah. And that was the Gates Heaton oh torture God, house. Oh my God. That was insane. 1924. That was fucking insane. Oh. Like the insanity that everybody. That everybody. Like. I was running for my life, but then I realized I didn't have my hat and coat. So I ran back. So I ran back to get them. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh my god. That was short. I'm kind of sad that that was that short. Let's see if I have anything we can use as dessert. That's kind of topical. I don't know. Murder. Murder. I don't know if I do. Okay. All right. Pause. And we're back to creepy Kentucky. I, I lost my microphone. Sorry. Oh no! Find it. It's right here. Okay. I found <laughs> it. I mean, it's attached to the to the thing. <laughs> It's not really lost, but like it was just off but, somewhere. It was off somewhere. You well, know, well, when grazing. something's lost, you need to find it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, since the torture house was a little short, we're going to talk about Mary Mars Cohen. As I just discovered, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. 
thanks website right on how to so, pronounce names she was born on november 29th 1925 okay to george swinebrod who was the dean of kentucky's thoroughbred auctioneers oh dear uh, she, her husband's name was Madison Cohen, uh-huh. who was named after his grandfather, the Keats of Kentucky. I don't know what that was supposed to have meant, but I did these notes over quarantine. Some kind of, some kind of poet. Ke- like Keats, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of him, but I'm guessing from his name of the Keats of Kentucky, he's some kind of poet. Yeah. Oh, a beloved poet. So, thank you. <laughs> Wahaha. They they married in Lexington in 1949 after Madison had graduated from Harvard. Okay. She Ooh. followed him in med school in to New Orleans, a Mayo Clinic job in Minnesota. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Falls up for Minnesota. Yeah. And then back to Lexington, where Mary got a job as a hematologist. At the UK Medical Center. Okay. The couple had two young children that Mary took care of. And on the weekends, they would visit the Struthers at Idle Hour, a nice and segregated country club near their homes. I bet. One such night was July 4th, 1965. Uh-oh. Yeah. Sam Struther Jr. says they each had ten cocktails... Oh, God. And stopped... They each had ten cocktails? Yeah. And stopped at the Struther home for more. Mary wasn't feeling well. (laughs) No shit. So... (laughs) After you have ten cocktails. Sam Struther took her home. The two had yet another drink in Mary's bedroom. Oh, God. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. (laughs) He returned home after 1 a.m. Oh, I bet he did. I mean, we all know what drinking in someone's bedroom leads to. Bounce like a wow wow. <laughs> it leads to dick. Yeah, really. <laughs> a different kind. Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just picturing like Steve Jobs doing all of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Madison G- Cowan was passed out at the Strother home and didn't make it home that night. Fair. So he passed out at their house. Fair. Uh, Sam Struther brought Mary home, had a drink in her room, and then left and went home. Uh, yeah. An autopsy later revealed that Mary went to bed somewhere between 2 and 6 a.m. That's a big gap. Yes. Upon seeing his wife, Madison called his doctor friends to make sure that she was actually dead. Instead of calling the police. Well, yeah. Meaning, that seems to be a th- growing theme in this episode. Is yeah. We're just not going to call the cops. <laughs> See, my last episode was all about cops. Yeah. And this one's about not involving not the cops. Not involving right the away. cops. <laughs> I don't know. So, since he didn't call the police right away, oh, yeah. when they did show up, they, were they like, arrived to an old, tainted crime scene. Oh, God. Madison told Sam Strother to pour out a glass of bourbon that was sitting on the nightstand. Oh, my God. It took a coroner six weeks to declare her death a homicide. Wow. And the doctor was spinning his own tail. Oh. Do you know, so do they know, like, okay, so she died between two and six. Yes. Um... Then he, her husband kept, like, woke up and came home. Yes. Found her dead. Yes. Called his friends. Called his friends. To come and see Sounds if he like dead. Sounds like what's happened with Sam Shepard. Strother? Sam Shepard. Now, the Sam Shepard case? Oh, it was Yeah, yeah the fugitive was based on it, sort yeah. of. Um, but, like, so when did the police finally get called? Do we know? I don't know. Ooh. Like I said... It sounds like some considerable time later, though. Yeah. Like I said, I did this... The research on this one during quarantine, during lockdown. And we were going crazy. Yes. So. So. Also, we were new at this. Very new. 
it took her to the coroner six weeks to declare her death a homicide, and the doctor was spinning his own tail. On July 10th, cops overheard a phone call between the doctor and his mother-in-law. Cowan said the pathologist Callan said, mm-hmm. the pathologist said, okay. Mary probably just took too many Alka-Seltzers. What? The gas had built up in the system and caused her to have a heart attack. Does that really happen? I don't think so. The star witness was Dr. Emma Lapotte, Madison's co-worker oh my God. and mistress for the past two years. Oh, Jesus. Well, for two years. It ended when Madison slept with the wife of Herschel Leitman, another Lexington doctor. So, what the Madison Cowan got around. Hell is going on. Both Lapotte and Letman told Mary about the affairs. Her father testified that Mary was considering a divorce. Yeah. Her body was found by Betty Struther when she came by to check on Mary. Madison Mm. decided she had committed suicide. That was not the truth. So, she had two fresh needle pricks in her thighs. Oh, dear. Her blood alcohol level was just below lethal. Oh, God. Well, yeah. A 0.4. Oh, God. Percent, yeah. Oh, my Lord. But the cause of death was carbolic acid poisoning. Oh, my God. That's nasty. Like, that tears... Like, that eats away at your mouth and stuff. Investigators figured she was injected with a knockout drug and forced to drink the laced alcohol. There were three main suspects. Madison Cowan himself. Yeah. Because he poured out the alcohol and because Mary possibly told him that she wanted a divorce. Yeah. Fair. Oh, and apparently, this is crossed off, but I'm going to say it anyway. Apparently, Barbara Letman, the wife of the doctor that he was sleeping mm-hmm. with, was pregnant. I wouldn't say if it was his or not. Ooh. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, dear. Another suspect was Dr. Emma Lapot. Yeah, yeah. Who was angry when Madison ended their affair and started the one with Barbara. She would often drive by their home and call Madison. She had made threatening phone calls to Barbara and once confronted her in public. Wow. Her alibi for the night was that she had had dinner with a friend and went to bed around 930. Yeah, sounds a I mean. The third suspect was Herschel Letman, Barbara's husband. Mm-hmm. He was uh, told yeah. about his wife's affair by Emma. Yeah. He also received an anonymous call from a woman who said his wife was having an affair with her husband. And if he didn't do anything about it, she would. Ooh. The night of the murder, he was working the overnight shift at the hospital. A telephone operator relayed him a message between 2.30 and 3 o'clock a.m. that a woman claiming to be his wife needed him at home. He suspected this was a ruse to get him to catch his wife in bed with another man. (laughs) Well, yeah. An hour later... He showed up at the police station with a list of license plate numbers he wanted checked. He claimed there were cars outside his apartment building, and he needed the evidence in case his marriage fell apart, and he needed to go to court. Oh, my God. So, the police are going to do this. Finally, someone goes... Let me just say, finally someone goes to the police, but it's for that. Right. (laughs) I mean... We don't go when someone's being held at a torture house. Nope. We don't call them when someone's been murder slash suicided. Nope. But man, I got these I got these license plates that you guys need to check out. Yep. God damn it. The officer on duty said Herschel seemed nervous, stressed out, and almost sideswiped a police car as he left. Go Herschel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Herschel then said he went home and found his wife sleeping alone. An eyewitness said they saw three cars parked outside the Cowan house between 3 and 3.30, mm-hmm. two of which belonged to the Cohens. Okay. The third could not be identified. Okay. 
a grand jury investigation was held in September 1965. Okay. But found insufficient evidence to indict anyone. Madison Cow- Cohen died in 1985, and Emma Lapotte died in ni- died in 2010. Wow. Uh, official autopsy says meth methylparaben, a preservative, was found at the injection site on her right thigh. Okay. Uh, one injection on each thigh can't figure out what was injected so they don't know what was injected into the other thigh weird there was carbolic acid in her system that was ingested not injected mm-hmm. a syringe was found in the drawer of Mary's bedside table that had Madison's fingerprints on it mm-hmm. carbolic acid presents itself quickly but not instantly. It is possible she ingested it at the country club. If she had ingested it there, her friends may not have noticed. The early symptoms are similar to that of being drunk. Oh, God. Well. And since she had drunk so much, she might not have even noticed herself. Yeah, exactly. The killer probably knew about Mary's drinking habits (laughs) and has never been found. Wow. That was a little uh, brutal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was our double whammy of an episode. Of an episode. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Wonderful. I know. Okay. I enjoyed that. Well. Man, I like those two tales. That was good. Thank you. Yeah. Man, I wish there was more about that Cowan thing. That's intru- That's really intriguing. I can probably find it's more. It's like Lexington's own Sam Shepard case. The one that, you know, they did it on BuzzFeed Unsolved. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, he was, like, his wife was pregnant, and he was sleeping on the couch, and it was July 4th, and they'd had a holiday party or something. Or, oh, yeah. And then, like, supposedly... There was a guy that he chased, and right, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Now I remember. It is. Yeah. Well, we have an email. We do. Creepy Kentucky at gmail dot com. We also have a Twitter, and a Twitter, an and an Instagram at Creepy Kentucky on both of those. Yes. So give us a follow. Give us a like. Send us an email. Yeah, if you have any ideas. I mean, clearly. We put off doing some of these, but yeah. It's okay. We're getting to them. We're, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find. I still haven't figured out what I'm doing. I'm feeling like, I feel so bad for next week, but I, I don't know. I'm like, what should I do? I'm going to be honest. I did my research for the torture yeah. house in two days. Oh, congrats. So <laughs> my two days off, I spent doing research. Mm. Anywho. Okay. Wow. Until next time, Kentucky. What What the the hell? hell?